Hey, it is great to have you here. My name is Nelson Jenkins. I'm the youth pastor here, and I'm, I'm excited to be here. We're going to be talking about a topic that most of us have had to deal with and are probably dealing with now and are going to have to deal with. Um, it's a topic of forgiveness, a topic of understanding, first of all, how much we've been forgiven by God, second of all, how there are times when we're going to need to forgive ourselves at times, and also the fact that we're going to have to forgive those around us at times. If you've never had to forgive anyone in your life for something they've done, then welcome to the world because you've never been around anyone else probably because forgiveness is a big part of, of, of our life and we're going we're gonna to look at that. I want to start out because understanding that we're all sinners and that's where it starts. So if you would, just to kind of start this out, turn to your neighbor and just say, hey, you're a sinner. So... Let's, so, now, the interesting thing with that is, is that the spouses did it really quick to each other. <clears throat> but when you went to somebody you didn't know, you were kind of like, uh. And some of the spouses already did that before you got here. Like in the car, you were already saying, hey, you're a sinner. And you, you kind of had that conversation. But I want to talk about the fact that, that because of our sin, we're in a prison. And it's not, this is, I, I figured this out, this is a Mexican prison. El Chapo, this is how he escaped. He just, right there, and he was gone. He didn't need to have the tunnel dug or anything like that. I mean, so, but for this prison, just, realize, just pretend I'm like really, really fat and I can't get through. So, um, but we're in a prison because of our sin. All of us here, the Bible says that all have sinned and we fall short of the glory of God. We've all missed, missed the mark. The this Bible tells us that sin is missing the mark, that there's a bullseye that we're supposed to hit. And when we don't hit that, then we've sinned. And that bullseye is perfection. So since nobody in this room that I know of is perfect, or if, if, I, if you are, please come, let me meet you later, because I haven't met anyone yet. Because of the fact that we're all sinners, that we're separated from God. There's something that separates us from God that puts us in a prison that we can't get out of. Because the Bible says the wages of that sin is death. Separation from God. And so we're separated from God, but God says, I want to do something about that. I want to do something to break down that barrier and make it so we can have a relationship. So we look at this, and Psalm 103.12 says, He has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. The Bible says that if we come to the point of acknowledging that we can't save ourselves, there's nothing we can do to break out of this prison of sin. But it's only because of what Jesus did on the cross that we can be saved. Then we understand that he's the one that paid the price to make it that that barrier is torn down and we can have that relationship. He says, when we acknowledge that, the Bible says that our sins are removed as far as the east is from the west, which, that's a long way. Um, and so, then we look at Ephesians 4.32. Once we've understood that and we, and we get that, Ephesians tells us, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. So the Bible tells us that once we understand how much we've been forgiven, the Bible says that then we need to go and we need to make sure that we're willing to forgive others. And sometimes the problem with getting out of this prison is the fact that some of us may be unwilling to forgive ourselves. We may say, you know what, there's things in my life that there's no way God can forgive me for. And we may try to pretend that God doesn't even know about some of those things. Well, I've got news for you, God does. There's nothing hidden from God. 
And in spite of that, in spite of all the stuff that he knows about us, the Bible tells us that he wants to forgive us. He sent his son for that reason. And why do we need to forgive? The Bible says because we've been forgiven. And we're going to look at a passage this morning that talks about that. But Isaiah 118 says, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be made like wool. And so when we think about that, we realize that God says, if you come to me, if you acknowledge that I sent my son because of the fact that you're sinners, then there's nothing that we can do to save ourselves. But Christ did that for us. He says he'll make us white as snow so that we can be made right in God's eyes and have that relationship restored. But the only way, the only key out of that prison is in the shape of a cross. That's how we get out of that prison of sin. We don't get out of it by trying to be better, by trying to do more good than bad. We get out by trusting that Jesus died for us. John 8.36 says, So if the Son sets you free, you are truly free. If Christ sets us free from that sin, then we are truly free. And then in Romans 8.2 it says, And because you belong to Him, the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. So forgiveness, understanding that God has forgiven us, understanding that there may be times when we're going to have to forgive ourselves for things that have happened, but then understanding that we're going to have to forgive others. If you're married, you understand what forgiveness is. And if you don't, then it's going to be a tough marriage. But I remember when I was, um, all my kids, I, I taught all my kids to drive. And so unless they get in an accident, then it was Susie. Um, but... All my kids, as I'm teaching to drive, you know, you go through the thing of you're driving. There's, there's a, a green light. What do you do? Go. All right. And, and then I go, I see a red light. Okay, kids, what do you do at a red light? Stop. Okay, kids, there's a yellow light. What do you do? Go faster. So we know that we may not say it, but when they watch us, they know that that's true. So we know red, green, yellow. We know what the lights mean. So when it, when it comes to driving, that's something that it's interesting how when... A couple is dating. There is no wrong, for the most part, in each other. It just seems like, oh, go, 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 go. Like, you know, it's just like, it's beautiful. And it's amazing how, when a couple is dating, the wife can sit in the passenger seat of a car as the guy is driving, and everything seems to be okay. As soon as they get on the, sta- the, the altar and, and they say, I do, Something happens. Something transforms at that very moment. I don't know what it is, but as soon as you say, I do, boom, it clicks. And the wife realizes he's the worst driver I have ever seen in my entire life. I don't know why that is, but it's at that moment that that happens. So if you're engaged, just realize it's going to happen. It does. And so my wife, I, I mean... We, that we, we go back and forth on this at times. If, if you're married and you can't relate, then you're so lucky. So, um, but I was thinking, like, I, I wanted to have some stories and, and analogies on forgiveness. And I was thinking it's hard because, it's hard for my wife because being as good as I am, it's hard for her to, you know, find something that she needs to forgive me for. So I, I prayed and I said, God, give me something that I can, you know, that I, I use the story. So last Sunday, God said, all right, I've got one for you. We're backing out of the driveway on Sunday night. And as I'm backing out, 
um, my kids were supposed to shovel the, the snow in the driveway. Um, and for the most part, it's shoveled, but there's still big snow banks on the sides that um, exist. So as I'm backing out, I'm going back, and all of a sudden my wife says, watch out for Jessica's car behind you. And in my mind, it was like, yeah, you're going to hit the car. And so as she was saying that, I hit the snowbank. And so I'm picturing that I just hit her car. And I was just like, oh, and I'm so upset. I was like, I can't believe this now. And I look back, and my daughter's car is way down the street. And I was like, why would you say anything about hitting her car when it's not even in the same neighborhood? And it's like, that doesn't make any sense. And so I, I lost my Christianity for about three minutes or five. But I was just like, Bruh! and I got out of the car throwing snow. And I was just like, Bruh! like that. And then I got back in and I continued driving to church. Um, because, true story, we were going to youth group. And I was getting ready to teach the kids about the love of Jesus. As I'm sitting there screaming at my wife. And so I looked at it and I said, boy, we all have those times. We all have those times when we mess up. I get once every six months, it's like clockwork, that I'm going to mess up. And, but it's like when, when that happens, we have to realize that we, we're going to mess up, other people are going to mess up. And the Bible talks about the fact, how do we go about forgiving somebody when they hurt us? How do we go about forgiving somebody when they do something that hurts us? Because we've all been there. I'm going to share a story a little bit about my father and how I struggled through that relationship with my father. My parents were divorced when I was in second grade. And I didn't really want anything to do with my father for, I mean, I didn't really have a relationship with him. And all of a sudden, something happened in in my freshman year in high school, and I was living with my mother and sister. And I moved out with my father and lived there for um, three and a half years. And it was terrible. Just terrible. Some of the stuff that happened, it just kind of, I didn't want you know, anything to do with my father, even when I was living with him. And so that hurt that goes on, and you sit there and, and the Bible says we need to forgive. And we're like, I don't want to. I don't want to forgive. And his, Andy Stanley has a great quote. And this is what I want you to, if you get nothing else out of this morning, get this because this is what could make the, the biggest difference when it comes to forgiveness and, and thinking about forgiving somebody else. And this, this is a, a quote that I love. It, it says, in the shadow of my hurt, forgiveness feels like a decision to reward my enemy. But in the shadow of the cross, forgiveness is merely a gift from one undeserving soul to another. When we live in the shadow of our hurt, and, and our focus and our thoughts and everything is on how I've been hurt, and we live in that shadow... It feels like we're rewarding that person if we forgive them. They hurt me. They deserve something that's not good. And forgiveness is good. So if I give that to them, I'm rewarding them for that. That's how it feels, in the shadow of the hurt. But if we get in the shadow of the cross, if we live in the shadow of the cross, all it's saying is, It's a gift from one undeserving soul to another. That's what forgiveness is. But unfortunately, like myself, many of us live in the wrong shadow. We live in the shadow of the hurt. And we can't get out of that. And that's why we struggle when it comes to forgiveness. Because if we live in the shadow of the cross, we understand how much we've been forgiven. 
how much God has forgiven us. And we realize that God has said, because of that, you need to be willing to forgive others. And we're going to look at a passage that talks about that in a second. But the world has forgiveness messed up. The world has a lot of things messed up. Can we be honest for a second? There's a lot of things messed up in our world. But when it comes to forgiveness, there was a popular book years ago that a lot of people were reading. And it was called Toxic Parents. And this book, this is, I mean, when I read, the, I read the, a blurb that somebody wrote, I was like, I don't really, you know, it's one of those things where you read that and you're like, oh, that would, that'll preach. But then you're like, but what if it's not true? That'll still preach. But I, I want to make sure that it was right. So I went back and I, I looked it up and I started reading excerpts from this book, Toxic Parents. And this is one of the things, she has a chapter in this book and it's called, You Don't Have to Forgive. That was one of the chapters in a book. And as I read through this, she goes on and says, she says that children who have been offended by the behavior of their parents must not forgive their parents. They must heap on the parents. This seems like it's just weird that anyone would ever write this, but this is what she wrote. They must heap the full blame for their present problems on their parents because their parents poisoned them by their toxicity. I just like saying that word, toxicity. Don't ask me what it means, because I, I don't know. So, but it's just kind of, they were poisoned. Your parents have poisoned you. That's why you have the problems you have today. So blame your parents. And then she su- suggests that the new cry should be, listen to this. This was years ago. And tell me if this isn't where our world is today. This is what the new cry should be. I am the victim. It's not my fault. I'm not responsible. My parents did this to me. Isn't that the cry we have today? Everything that happens, it's not my fault. I'm going to blame my parents. If I, can't find, if I can't blame my parents, I'll find someone else to blame because this can't be my fault. This is what she's writing. And she's telling people, you shouldn't forgive because if you do forgive, you're really kind of letting them off the hook. And I say, man, it's a good thing God didn't read this book. Because... He wouldn't have forgiven us if he would have sat there and said, hey, you know what? I don't have to forgive them. Okay, I'm free. But God said, I know all that you've done. He says, Nelson, I know all that you've done. I know not only what you've done, I know what you've thought. I know your intentions when you do good things. That look good on the outside, but your intentions maybe aren't. They aren't good. And he says, in spite of all that I know about you, he says, I love you and I want to forgive you. And we think about that and we, we understand how much we've been forgiven. And in that shadow, that's when God calls us to forgive others. Peter came to the Lord one time and, and we're going to be in Matthew chapter 18. It's on page 749 in your Bibles, in your chairs, if you want to look that up. But Matthew chapter 18. And as you're, you're moving there, I had one other thing I wanted to share about, like helping marriage counseling when it comes to the driving issue. It's called a blindfold. Husbands, if you give this to your wives, if they're sitting in the front seat, it solves a lot of problems. But if you, really, if you want to have something really cool, put it on your own eyes when you're driving. And listen, listen to some screaming go on. So, um, so on that note, I just had to put that out there. So, 
Matthew chapter 18. Start with verse 21. Peter came to the Lord and he asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? So Peter starts out, he comes to the Lord, but understanding the context here that the rabbis in this time were teaching, the rabbi teachers, the teachers of the law, what they taught was you should forgive somebody three times if they hurt you. If they offend you, you should forgive them three times. And then after the three times, you're off the hook. That's what the teaching was at the time. So Peter comes up and says, Jesus, I want to show you how good I am. So I know that it's three times, it's kind of the law. But how many times should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? So Peter's like, dude, I'm doubling it. Plus one. I'm good at math. So, but I'm going to say, they say three, I'm going to go seven. So Peter's probably like, all right, Lord, pat me on the back and say, you know what? That's far more than you need to. But here's what Jesus replies. No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. So that's like 16 times that we're supposed to, in case you didn't realize that's not, it's like 490 times. But the problem is, we look at that and Jesus says, no, it's 70 times seven. So understand, when he says this, he's not saying you need to, to forgive somebody 490 times. So on the 400 and 68, you can start going, oh, you're getting really close. You know, once you hit this number, the Bible says, you're out of here. That's not what he's saying. He's basically saying, there's not a number. You don't sit there and keep checking off all up like that. You have your calendar and you kind of mark off the days. I have a calendar. I mark off how many days I've worked out this year. And um, it's empty. So anyway, um, but we can sit there and we mark off, we check off, like, how many times someone has offended me? And then we sit there and go, oh, it's getting close. You're almost at the unforgiveness stage. And, but he's not saying that. And, and then he goes on and he, he shares this story to kind of to make an, an example of this. He goes, therefore, the kingdom of heaven, of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with a servant who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold, along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, Please be patient with me, and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars, grabbed him by the throat, and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man who he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you this tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. So we look at this and Jesus is saying, you were here. You were living in sin, separated from God. There was nothing you could do, but God came down and he said, I want to forgive you. And if we cry out to God and we say, God, forgive me, I know I'm a sinner. I know that only you can save me. 
He takes us out of that prison. And we come out of the prison and somebody hurts us. And the first thing we do is we sit there and say, I will never forgive you. That's the whole point that this story is talking about. He's saying, you're totally missing what the cross is all about. You're totally missing what I did for you. If you've been forgiven this much, more than we could ever repay. We've been forgiven more than we could ever pay back to God. A relationship restored with God because of his love for us. And when somebody comes and hurts us, the Bible says we have to understand that, live in that shadow and be willing to forgive them. So, and that's, that's where the hard part is because when we live in this prison, we're locked up. We're locked up. But the cross came to give us freedom. To, to help us to live a free life away from that. Because when we choose not to forgive somebody, again, I go back to my father. Years, years I went through not wanting to forgive him for all the things that he had done. I, was, I said, no way, I'm not going to forgive him. He doesn't deserve it. I'm rewarding him if I forgive him. The whole time I was doing that, I was thinking, I am locking him in a prison. He is suffering because of that. What I didn't realize that whole time was it wasn't him that was suffering. It was me. I was the one, I was putting myself back in the prison because I was unwilling to forgive. And that's what we're talking about, is that if you're unwilling to forgive somebody who's hurt you, you're putting yourself in that same prison that God has pulled you out of. And God's saying, I want you to be free. I want to set you free from that. So that you can live the life that I've called you to live. So when we think about forgiveness, I want us to, to think about what forgiveness truly means. What does forgiveness truly mean when somebody has, has truly hurt us? Forgiveness, the first thing is, don't seek revenge. Because it is easy when somebody has really hurt us. And I'm going to tell you what, there are people in this room who have been hurt beyond anything that we can imagine. I know some stories. And there's no way, humanly, we would ever be able to forgive. And I get that. But we're not talking about humanly. We're talking about godly. We're talking about the fact that God is the one who's going to allow us and help us to forgive. Because there's no human way we can forgive some of the things that have happened to us. It, it doesn't happen humanly. It can only come by the grace of God. And the first thing that forgiveness means is we don't seek revenge. First Thessalonians 5.15 See that no one repays another evil for evil. And then Romans 12.19 Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. I've got four kids. And if someone came up and said, you know what, I'm going to hurt one of your kids today. There are days when I sit there and say, can I choose which one you're going to go after? But no, I wouldn't do that. I would sit there and say, I'm going to do everything within my power. Everything within my power to protect them. You will not hurt them unless you hurt me first. There's no possible way you get to them unless you go through me. Understand that once we come out of this prison 
and we have accepted that gift that God has given us. We become God's children. I want to give you chills for a second, because it gives me chills when I think about this. God is our Father. When somebody hurts us, God tells us, I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to protect you. And the God that I worship and serve is an all-powerful God. And I trust that he's stronger than I am. And as much as I want to sit there and protect my kids, I know that there may be times when I want, I'm not going to be able to. But I know that my Heavenly Father is going to protect me no matter what. And he says, I'll take care of it. Trust me, let me take care of it. If we're a child of God and we go through life, we can sit there and say, I know that no matter what happens to me, I've got the strongest being ever in the world that nobody can touch who says, I got your back. I'll take care of this. And unfortunately, our human mind says, okay, God, let me watch. Get him good. And God says, it's in my timing. And there are times when someone hurts us and we watch and it looks like they're getting away with it. And it frustrates us because we're like, God, you said you'd take care of it. When are they going to smash their head into a wall or do something that's going to hurt them so I can sit there and go, woohoo! That's how we look humanly at it. But God says, don't seek revenge. He says, allow me to take care of it. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. So the second thing is, forgiveness is don't seek revenge. It's don't rejoice when they fall. Can we be honest? That is not easy. Somebody hurts us and they do it intentionally and they know they did. And something happens where they, they fall, or whatever the case is. In my human heart, I'm doing backflips. I'm just so excited. I'm like, yes, they deserved it. I'm so excited. But the Bible tells us in Proverbs 24:17, Do not rejoice when your enemy falls. Do not let your heart be glad when he stumbles. But then he goes on and Jesus says, Let me just make this even harder for your human mind to get a grasp on. Not only don't rejoice when they fall, Matthew 5.44 says, But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Well, I can tell you, in my mind, God wouldn't really like my prayer for the person that hurt me. Because I'd be like, God, I pray they get hit by a truck. That's my prayer. That's my human heart. But God says, pray for them. But don't pray in a way of, of harm. But pray in a way that they come to the point of understanding who God is. And that's hard to do if we sit there and are honest because we're living in the hurt, in the shadow of the hurt. And it's hard to get out of that. I'm not sitting here standing every saying it's easy to do that. But I'm saying it's what God has called us to do. And it's how we can live the best life we can live for God is by getting out of the shadow of the hurt and into the shadow of the cross. So then the third thing about forgiveness, it's try to make things right if possible. 
Romans 12, 18. If possible, as far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. I'm glad he doesn't come out and say, just be at peace with all men. And leave it at that. He doesn't say that. He says, if possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with all men. Be able to stand before God and say, God, I did everything in my power to make things right. I did everything I could do in this relationship to make it right. And be able to go to God with a clean heart and say, I did that. That's what God has called us to. He's not saying that relationship is going to be fixed. He's not saying everything's going to be great. But he's saying, if possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with all men. Because forgiveness is the key to the Christian life. It's the key to understanding that God has forgiven us. And it's the key to understanding that we need to forgive others. We need to forgive ourselves. And we need to forgive others that have hurt us. So let's look at what forgiveness isn't as we close up here. Forgiveness is not the absence of anger towards sin. I've heard people say that if you get angry, you've sinned. I have a big problem with that because I believe that Jesus was perfect, that he didn't sin. I believe that's the only reason that we can get out of this prison is because Jesus in his perfection came and took our place and paid the price. But the Bible also says that Jesus got angry. He got upset about the sin around him. So if you believe that being angry is a sin, you got something we're going to have to work through there. So it's not saying when sin happens that we're, we're not supposed to be angry about that. But it's saying we've got to be careful how we deal with that. To be angry about sin that's in the world is not wrong. To be angry about the sin that, that happened to us is not wrong. To be angry about that. But we can figure out how do we deal with that. And then the second thing is, forgiveness is not feeling good about what, is, what was bad. It's not saying, you know what, it was trying to make it better than it really was. Forgiveness isn't saying this terrible thing that happened to me wasn't as bad as I thought it was. That's not the case at all. But it's saying in, in spite of as bad as that was, fact that we still have to live in the shadow of the cross and realize that we've been forgiven. And as hard as that is to comprehend how is it that I'm supposed to forgive somebody else for what they've done. Again, you can't do that humanly. You can't do that on your own. You can only do that if you live in the shadow of the cross by God's strength. So that quote from Andy Stanley, I want us to, to wrap up with this. In the shadow of my hurt, forgiveness feels like a decision to reward my enemy. But in the shadow of the cross, forgiveness is merely a gift from one undeserving soul to another. You've got to understand that you and I do not deserve to be forgiven by God. We deserve to be in here, separated from God, for eternity. That's what sin does. When we die, if we've never come to the point of understanding God's love for us, we depart this earth, we're separated from God for eternity. That's biblically what death is. Separation from God.
But if we come out of that and we understand that God has forgiven us even though we don't deserve it, then what happens is when we're hurt, we get out of that shadow of that hurt. God sets us free from that prison. We get in the shadow of the cross and we say, God, you've forgiven me. Help me forgive others. Help me forgive those that have hurt me. And it's going to be a gradual process. This isn't something for most of us that we're going to wake up tomorrow morning and go, amazing, it's over, I'm done. That didn't happen with my father. Years, probably 20 plus years, I struggled with my father. I struggled watching my father go and have an affair and get married and get divorced again and, and just kind of, some of the, you know, struggled with just when we lived, when I lived with him for those years, some of the stuff that, that happened, to struggle with that. Didn't want to forgive him. And I think some of you can relate to this. I forgave him about seven times in my head. I'd say the words, but then as soon as I thought about him, all that anger came back up. And all that resentfulness and unwilling to really truly forgive him for what had happened. So they came to the point where I was in the closet of my apartment, on the phone with my father, just crying, breaking down, saying, I need to forgive you, Dad. I need to. And it was so hard because some of us have been in a situation where a person won't even admit they've hurt you. How do you forgive someone who's never even acknowledged that they've done anything wrong? That's tough to do. But the Bible doesn't say, you know what? It's all predicated on their response. If they never come up and say they're sorry, you don't have to forgive them. I wish it did. It would make it a lot easier sometimes, wouldn't it? If that person never comes up and says, I was wrong, please forgive me, then I don't have to forgive them. That's not what it says. It says to forgive them. I don't know how we do that because in my human mind that doesn't happen. But in our heart, we've got to sit there and say, God, you have to help. You've got to work on my heart and help me to forgive them for what's happened. So years later, I get a call from my mother. And she says, I've got to talk to you about something. I was like, okay. She goes, what do you think? 25 years they've been divorced. She goes, what do you think about my, um, your father and I getting remarried? And I didn't know what to think. I knew my sister. I know what she was thinking. He goes, whew. She was flipping out like, no. <laughs> she was mad. And I was just like, it's just kind of one of those things where it's like, could you say that again, like slowly and like ten times? Because I didn't hear it. So she said, what do you think about my, you know, your father and I getting remarried? And I was like, okay. You know, and it's just kind of, that was weird. Well, it came down to where God was obviously working in my heart before that, to where they got remarried and I got to perform the ceremony and to, re, and to marry my parents. How many here? How many can say that? That you married your parents. All right? I'm standing there. My, my son is like the ring bearer. My daughter is, you know, the um, flower girly thing. Like those flowers. And, and um, I'm up there and I was like, do you mom take you dad to? Okay. And then, but it was great because I could sit there and say, you know what? I really do think that your kids are going to turn out to be pretty good. So... <laughs> It's kind of nice that you can, you can say that. So. But I don't believe that would have happened if I never got to the point of saying I have to forgive. 
I wouldn't have been able to stand up there and do that if God hadn't been working on my heart. And I can tell you what, it would have been a lot easier if I weren't so stubborn and it'd take 24 years for that to happen. But I want to encourage you to get out of that prison that you're putting yourself in when you live in the shadow of the hurt. Get out of that prison and live in the shadow of the cross. Let's pray. Can you stand with me? Lord, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you so much for setting us free from that prison and that you're the only one that could do that. That Our sin put us in there and you set us free because of the cross. And Lord, I pray you'll help us to live in that shadow as we think about the hurts in our life and the people that have hurt us and how you want us to forgive them. But Lord, I know from experience, Lord, that I can't do that on my own, that we can't do that on our own, that we can only do that through your power. I pray you just help each one in this room to understand that, understand how much they've been forgiven. And Lord, those times when we want to put ourselves back in that prison by not forgiving someone else, set us free, Lord. Set us free to truly live for you the way that you want us to live. In Jesus' name, amen.